In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Well, do you know what I'm going to say and talk about? We are on the very threshold of Lent. And the threshold reminds us of a door that we're going to go through. Some of us feels like we're maybe on the precipice of a great Lent, about to jump off into the abyss of our efforts. This wasn't part of my plan, but forgive me if this extends my sermon at all, but I, I, there was a, a little... Uh, um, him at the very end of Orthros today. Um, if you were on time today, you might have heard it because um, Orthros went a little longer. Um, it says, The time has come, the start of our spiritual contests, the victory over demons, the full armor of self control, the angel's dignity, the confidence before God. Thereby did Moses become conversant with the Creator. Now he's talking about fasting. Thereby he heard the invisible Lord. The invisible voice of the Lord. Lord, through fasting, make us worthy to worship you in your passion and your holy resurrection because you love humanity. So as we anticipate, hopefully we have this sense of anticipation. Great Lent begins essentially, well in our minds now, at the end of the service today. Um, as we forgive one another in the service of forgiveness. But there may also be that sense of foreboding. It may not be unlike a family vacation. Right? You might say to yourself, gosh, wouldn't it be easier just to stay home? And truly, yes. But, why do we put ourselves through the rigor, the challenge of planning and executing a family vacation? Because we have this promise that there's some reward. That there's some, some, some benefit. And we have the same thing here. But, but why Lent? Why do we have this period? Well, it's this season where we intensify our efforts. Do any of you feel, as we've just passed through this winter, though not a very difficult winter, that we just get a little weighed down? We get a little run down in our spiritual life? There are just so, so many distractions in this life that pull us away from really our vocation, our vocation as Christians, to pursue and to follow Christ. We get kind of worn down by the cares of this life. And it's not a coincidence that as the days become longer and we see a brightness after our winter, we have this season of the Lenten spring set before us in the church. We if we look carefully at our lives, we realize that we are not really where we want to be. Several weeks ago, we read the prodigal son, and we were supposed to identify with him and think, yes, like the prodigal, we are not where we are supposed to be. We really need to go home. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, our true home is in Jesus Christ. 
The very goal of our life, what we have been created for, is to be with Christ and to little by little by His grace become more like Him. And that is what this season is. The church has given us this season as a journey to follow Christ and His passion. Now, why the intensification? You might notice that your spiritual life tends to do this a little bit. Cycle, ebb and flow. And the church honors that and knows that and embodies that and encourages that. That as we are feeling the lowness, then the church invites us to intensify our efforts. No athlete trains fully intensely all year long. There's a season of competition. There's a season of rest. And there's a season when we expect to make bigger gains or to do more improvements. This is what the church has given us. And the metaphor we often have is that it's a journey. Now, no message that I would offer you would ever be uh, complete without something from Father Zacharias of Essex. And he, he says this most perfectly. The Lord journeyed down into the depths so as to offer the perfect sacrifice for our salvation. Of course, he's talking about his passion and his third day resurrection. And if we follow him on that downward journey, that downward journey of humility, we place ourselves in the path of his holy will. And every sacrifice we make thus joins us to Christ and enables us to grow into his likeness. It says that if we journey with Christ, we place ourselves in his will. We want to be in Christ's will. What is God's will for my life? Your will. I tell you, God's will for your life today is to join him in his journey in this downward journey of our great Lent. And every sacrifice that we make, says Father Zacharias, will further join us to Christ and enable us to grow into His likeness. Now before I say any more about great Lent, I, I, I feel compelled to remind you of a great truth. Perhaps an obvious truth. Could everybody look at your hands, please? Can you look at your feet? Maybe you can see your knees, your shoulders. These are your body parts. I still told you it was obvious. Now, would you please look around the nave, the sanctuary here. Look around. There's a bunch of faces of people who you know, maybe don't know. My brothers and sisters, these are your body parts. We have been made one body in Christ. We are the body of Christ and each of us is a member of it and therefore we are members of each other in the same way that this hand and this hand and this foot belong to this body. The people that are surrounding you belong to your body. We gather in worship as a single body. And this is a mystical, mysterious, and beautiful idea. And we don't necessarily see that embodied in the way we live our lives.
Father Zachariah says this very beautifully. Thus do we worship as a single body with attention, fear, and reverence, never forgetting for a single second that we are gathered around the throne of our King and God. And we see Christ dwelling in each of our brethren. As a single body, we learn the great lesson of encouraging one another and how to spur one another on towards love and good works. And we receive our brothers and our sisters as our very own life. For we live as members of the same body. And as I said, we don't necessarily see the embodiment of this in our lives. The reality of this lived out. But what I would like to encourage you is to do this more and more. Especially as we begin this great Lenten journey together. Now, there are some of us who have been in the Orthodox Church perhaps our whole lives. Some of us for many years. Some of us for only a few years. And some of us, maybe this is your very first great Lent ever. And you are ready for it, you have the zeal, or maybe you don't know what's coming. But we all have different levels of experience. And this is exactly how we can be the body. Some of us older folks, it's easy for us to, oh, Lens here again, been there, done that, it's hard. Honey, where's the Lenten recipe book? But we need the eyes of those who are new in the faith, those who have zeal. And perhaps those who are young and inexperienced need the experience of those of us who have been in the church. We can work this out together and go on this journey together. So I want to encourage you during this great Lenten period, reach out to one another, share, talk, invite each other, other over for dinner. Though there are many services of the week, maybe afterwards you guys can eat together and share and talk. Parents, talk to your children about why we're doing what we're doing. Because if we don't, after a while, our children will look at us and go, why are we doing this again? And it's going to be hard for us to have an answer in that one moment. So let us journey together as a body and as a family. Now forgive me, I haven't even started talking about the, the gospel yet. Truthfully, this gospel, though not very long, is so full and so rich. And there are so many themes presented to us by the church today that um, I couldn't possibly even touch on all of them. The gospel today says, The Lord says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And the next line starts, And when you fast. Now, while this um, gospel is placed here for pretty obvious reasons, it's talking about fasting and the great need for us as we enter this fast to forgive one another. 
But if I could for a moment put aside the, the notion here of forgiveness and just talk about this fast and what this fast is really about. This gospel is actually part of a much longer piece where Christ is teaching and he's teaching us and we would have read this actually yesterday in yesterday's liturgy. It says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by people. He says, when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, when you give alms, when you pray, and today, when you fast. He tells us and teaches us, make sure that you are not doing this for a show. Do it in secret so your Father in Heaven can reward you for these things in secret. Now this might seem to contradict what I just said. I said, come on, let's do Lent together. But as Orthodox Christians, we do have to make individual decisions about what our ascetical efforts are going to be like. Exactly how we're going to fast, exactly what our prayer rule is going to be, exactly what alms and what increasing um, giving we're going to be doing during this season. Hopefully all of you will be doing that in consultation with your father confessor or your spiritual father. But all of these seemingly private acts of prayer and almsgiving and fasting, and though maybe different for us, different expressions for each of us, we are going to all do them in this corporate context. We do it as a church. We're fasting together as a body, upholding one another in our weakness. One person I read recently said that Great Lent is not a DIY project. It's not do it yourself. And in the Orthodox Church, we always travel together as a body. Now, fasting. Okay, giving alms, praying, I get that. Why fasting? Why this uncomfortable, difficult, challenging thing? There are very, very many reasons. But, first of all, as Father Zacharias and I, I quoted earlier, every sacrifice that we make joins us to Christ and enables us to grow into His likeness. Christ didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. This is essentially a command. St. Sophroni once said, as he sometimes did in very short and pithy things, he said, grace comes from humility, and humility comes through... Grace comes from humility, and humility comes through... Obedience. You see, the church is calling us to this fast. It tells us, if you do this fast, you will profit. You will profit in ways that you cannot even imagine. And the scriptures are filled with examples of people who have fasted. Our Lord fasted and completely defeated the enemy. Both in the beginning of his ministry, he fasted those 40 days, and at the end of his ministry, he fasted as he approached the cross. And through fasting, 
He defeated the evil one. And through fasting, we can defeat the evil one and our own sin. When the doctor says you're supposed to take a certain kind of medicine, he tells you what it's for. Well, how does it work? How does it work? Why do we have to? Do I have to? Should I do this? We we trust our doctor, and we say, okay, I'll I'll take that baby aspirin every day or whatever. The church is saying, hey everybody, let's fast. Let's fast together, and we can trust that the church knows what we need. I have a lot more that I can say about fasting. I think I'll say that for another time because we'll be fasting together for 40 days. How important is fasting? Is it important at all? Can you do it or not do it? Can you take it or leave it? There's a story, some of you may have heard of this, about St. Sarah of Sarah. Now when you think of St. Sarah of Sarah, do you, do you picture a really tough guy? Do you picture a guy who's really a, a person who's, who's very, I don't know, harsh? When I picture um, St. Seraphim and I look at his icons I, and I read his story, I, I see a person who was tender and full of love towards all who came to him. Once there came a woman to St. Seraphim and the mother was concerned about how to help her daughter choose a good husband. And his advice to her was this. Before all else, ensure that he who your daughter chooses for her companion for life keeps the fasts. If he does not keep the fasts, he is not an Orthodox Christian, whatever he may consider himself to be. Now this seems like a hard, fast line, and I'm surprised to read it. But yet, this teaches us just how important the church has taught us the fast is. That if we participate in this fast, we will fulfill what Christ has called us to. Rather, we will be strengthened to fulfill what Christ has called us to. Now, the beginning of of the gospel today says, if you forgive men their trespasses, if you forgive people their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So if fasting is an absolute essential for our spiritual lives, to forgive one another is even more so. In fact, you might say, literally, our salvation depends upon it. Our salvation is in cooperation with what Christ has done and with how we shall respond. And if we do not forgive others, we are not responding to what Christ has done. So we very well must forgive. Now to forgive is an act of our will. We first have to decide this person has hurt me. And we feel that here in our hearts. 
or this person has hurt that other person who I care about, that more vulnerable person. And we hold anger and we hold resentment towards others. Sometimes it's not even another person. We hold this anger and resentment towards a system made of people. And we refuse to let it go. But first and foremost, to forgive is an act of will, our will. We must to decide. Now, this act of will requires us to engage our hearts because that's where our wound is when we've been sinned against. So to forgive is first an act of our will, second, where we engage our hearts. Forgiveness is an expression of our love. And who are we to love? Everyone. Are we to forgive and love even our enemies? Especially so. Forgiveness must extend beyond those people who have asked for it to all. If any of you have read the Brothers Karamazov, the uh, Elder Zosima says, we must forgive everyone for everything. Now, he's a fictional character, but he certainly embodies the truth of the fathers of our church. Now, for some of us, forgiveness is somewhat easy or natural. We recognize by God's grace exactly how much we've been forgiven, and so we forgive. And we tend to not hold on to things. But for many, or most, or all of us, in some ways, forgiveness is very, very hard. In fact, forgiveness is not even in us to do on our own. To forgive those who have hurt us in profound ways, to forgive is perhaps a lifelong working with the grace of God. That is, we first engage our will. God wants me to forgive this person. And if it takes me my whole life, I'm going to forgive this person by God's grace. So if we have trouble forgiving, we need to ask for forgiveness. And we need to have desire in our hearts to forgive the other. For to forgive is to be Christ-like. And it can only come through His grace. Now today, in just a short time, we will all be bowing before one another and asking each other forgiveness. And for some, this is an unusual experience because some of us, we don't know each other very well. Some of us, we don't know each other at all. Maybe we've never seen each other. And you're going to bow before a stranger and say, please forgive me? This seems like an odd exercise. But I was reminded of what one father said, is that we don't know the effect of our sin. When we drop a rock into a pond, you know what happens. The ripples spread out. So that when I sin against you, we don't know what the ripples are. Because my sin against you is going to affect your family. It's going to cause them trouble. And that is going to affect other people and other people. And some of the fathers of the church say that every sin by any person has an effect on the entire cosmos. And likewise, the repentance and forgiveness of any person has a healing effect 
on the universe. So that when you forgive everyone for everything, the universe, the whole world, begins to experience the healing that is in Christ. My brothers and sisters, let us enter this Lenten season with great hope and expectation that we will be able to forgive, that we will be able to fast, that we will live out our lives as a true body, as a family connected to one another. Let us all follow Christ on this downward journey that will place us in His holy will. And there we will find grace and forgiveness that will enable us to grow closer to Christ as we desire and closer to one another. Let us even now, in this moment, in this moment right now, as we approach the body and blood of Christ, recognize that we are doing so as one holy body, members of one another. And let us receive today with that knowledge. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.